This edition of The Standard is brought to you by the AXA Startup Angel Competition. I'm Sharma Dean Reed, founder and CEO of The Stack World, and I'm here to help you turn your business dream into reality. There are six chances to win the competition, including two top prizes of £25,000, mentoring from myself and leading UK founders, plus business insurance for a year, thanks to AXA. Go to standard.co.uk forward slash AXA Startup Angel for details on how to enter and complete your entry by the 2nd of June, 2024. Good luck. It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to Monday.com. From the Evening Standard in London, I'm David Marsland, and this is The Leader. In Scotland, some of them are back already. In a phased reopening of schools, the youngest pupils will call back to class on Monday morning. The rest will follow from the middle of next month. That's not what's happening in England. On March the 8th, all schools will open, but it's not coming without restrictions. School kids will be tested for COVID-19 twice a week. The government will keep a close eye on the results. This is the first step towards bringing back normal life. And if the infection rate starts rising too high, everything being promised will be cancelled. So in this edition of the podcast, let's start with schools. And our education editor, Anna Davis, is here. A lot of parents will be very happy that their kids are going back, Anna. Are the teachers? Yes, I think they are. The head teachers that I've spoken to today, uh, they're desperate to get back in. And they've, they've seen the damage that being at home is doing to their pupils and I think the idea of staggering the start like in Scotland and Wales with the youngest primary school children going back first it does make sense but then you know head teachers have said to me equally year six pupils at the end of primary school they need to be back in because it's their last year of primary and then you've got year sevens at the beginning of secondary school they want them back in because they haven't actually had any time to properly settle into secondary school yet year nines have got a case because they've got to choose their GCSE options and then you've got the uh, obviously the exam year groups they want to be in and but also the people in years 10 and 12 who are facing their GCSEs and A-levels next year they should be in the classroom as well because if they're not learning then they're going to be in the same position next year when it comes to taking their exams of having missed months and months of schoolwork so the head teachers said they just want everyone in on March the 8th in a big bang but the, um, the teaching unions are against that they say it's reckless. Why do they think it's reckless? They're concerned that if everyone goes back on the same day, there's going to be about 10 million people, which includes parents dropping off their children and um, rates may spike again. So when when students went back in June after the first school closures, it was only certain year groups. So it was the very young children and and then year six. And then later it was um, pupils taking their exams that were allowed in for a little bit. So it was a, a lot more of a phased return unlike September, when everyone went back together and then we had to close down again. So I think they they want to make sure that this is the last time that schools are closed. 
And I'd expect that there's uh, a lot of teenagers, a lot of young people, probably just quite looking forward to seeing their friends again now, Anna. It's, it's, opening the schools is just about the first symbol of normality returning, isn't it? Yeah, I think it will be amazing for them to go back in. All, all ages, as as the as the heads have said, there's not one year group that hasn't been affected by this. The young ones, they can't really do remote learning, you know, on Zoom calls at the age of four and five. I know that from from home and teenagers as well. You know, being stuck at home in their bedrooms, parents want them back. Uh, I think that it's really good news for them. Um, and then, hopefully, as was seen after the last uh, school reopening, there will be some children who come back to school and and teachers will realize it's been a terrible time for them um sadly like last time but hopefully we will see that many many uh children come back into school really happy to see their friends and being really resilient and hopefully they will bounce back anna davis there right that's the school so when's the pub reopening it's going to be a while, I'm afraid. Assuming the school reopening goes well, people will be allowed to meet in groups of six outdoors from March 29th. That'll pave the way for bars and restaurants to offer al fresco dining and drinks, probably around mid-April. But the indoor experience isn't going to be available for some time. Jonathan Prynne's been talking to people in the hospitality industry. Jonathan, are some of them looking at these schools reopening with a bit of jealousy? Yeah, there's definitely a very cynical mood of partial optimism i would say um, in the hospitality industry there was an absolute succession of sort of stop starts um for the industry when they were allowed to open then there was a lockdown they were allowed to open again and another lockdown as well as all the restrictions they had such as the rule of six and and um the 10 o'clock curfew and so on and that they were really, really hard for the hospitality sector to get a restaurant up and running, close it down, up and running again, close it down is, is terribly, terribly logistically and financially difficult. So although they are pleased that there is the roadmap forthcoming and it looks like they will be able to open later in the spring, there's also until they really see the whites of the eyes of the, of the plan, I think there's an enormous amount of caution out there as well still. Do you think they're worried that customers won't come back? Is there a feeling that that might happen? I don't think so. I think that's the one bit of the outlook that they're very confident about. I think they look back to um, the the reopening last July, but actually perhaps even more relevantly, the reopening after the lockdown in November, when there was an absolute surge, uh, you could not get a table in, in a lot of restaurants for weeks on end until the, the, the subsequent lockdown came at the end of December. So I, I, I think most of them feel that there is a huge appetite among Londoners for eating out again. Most Londoners will feel confident that they're safe in restaurants. Uh, and I think, you know, most Londoners, uh, or speaking as a Londoner personally, have, you know, have really, really missed that experience of having a you know, a fun and convivial time, whether it's just a, a, a pint with a mate or a big family gathering in a restaurant. I think people have missed that desperately. And you're going to have to wait a little bit longer for that indoor experience, aren't you? Because the opening stuff up outdoors initially, then indoors. Does the industry itself accept that that's a sensible idea or do they just want the doors open to everything now? It, it, there are mixed views. There, there are quite a few who would say, right, just, there's no evidence that hospitality is, is a dangerous environment. 
when we open we open fully um and that's how it should be there are others who accept that um there is a sort of confidence building period that needs to be undertaken uh, and the outdoors will come first probably uh, probably around easter or shortly after easter and the indoors you know scientists the scientists are nervous about indoor gatherings and i think you know there are quite a few in the industry who are prepared to accept they'll they'll have to wait uh, a little bit longer to get fully up and running indoors but as i say there are some who are just champing at the bit one thing that we don't still don't know very much about is the travel industry and flights now there is a a sector that has been one of the worst hit by coronavirus all over the world no respite for them yet we don't know still whether we're going to be able to take any holidays no that's right and that, i mean i was talking to people in that sector this morning and they they really are in despair because they're getting very close i mean that the, the, their season really kicks off in may and builds ramps up fairly quickly so that by the time you get to july they're in that absolute peak which of course is a you know relatively short period of, of the year for them uh, and at this stage they should be making you know they, they would normally expect a huge number of deposits to be coming in on holidays that they can use to fund the the flights they need to book the hotels they need to book and all that sort of thing um, and that's how the finances of the industry work. But of course, at the moment, due to the uncertainty, there's no one is putting down deposits on on holidays until they know a little bit more clearly uh, what what the landscape is going to look like. And the government mood music has been incredibly negative from their perspective. And what they're saying is, look, you know, it's it's a risk free investment for a, for a, a potential holiday maker. They can put down their deposit on a with a company that's at all bonded or whatever that has all that protection that that the industry you know most of the industry has and it and it's risk-free because if it turns out they can't go uh because the case numbers don't come down or whatever uh they'll get their money back but that's not the message that's coming out from the government at the moment and that that's that's proving a huge frustration for the industry and the other point they make is that you can't just turn off and turn on the travel industry like some um businesses you know pilots who have been resting uh for months on end need to be retrained um all you know all those sorts of quite tricky logistical issues that take time uh so they they are getting really desperate because may is not far away now and um they, there's a real sense of gloom in that sector i think more probably more than any other There's much more on this in the Evening Standard newspaper and online at standard.co.uk. Follow our live blog for breaking news. That's the leader. We're back tomorrow at 4pm. Hi, I'm Lawrence Delalio, host of the Evening Standard Rugby podcast, brought to you in partnership with QBE Business Insurance. The show is available to listen to now and right up to the end of the season when the winners of the Champions Cup will be crowned at Tottenham Hotspur Stadium. And the fight for the Premiership title will be decided at Twickenham. QBE is one of the world's leading insurers and they will help your business build resilience through risk management and insurance solutions. Subscribe and download now wherever you get your podcasts. Thanks for listening.